Hey, welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. I'm your host, Joey, and today I'm joined here in the gym at Jungle Brothers by Fayon Pipat. Fayon runs a podcast and a YouTube account by the name of The Passive Hang, where his dream is to make movement practice easily accessible and understandable. Fayon was passing through the gym on his way down to Ghetto Movement, which is down in Wollongong, and we had the opportunity to get him on the show and have a bit of a chat about his movement journey but also his podcast journey, which I thought was quite cool. Uh, what I enjoy about his work is that he is applying some entrepreneurialism to the movement world. And it's putting a podcast out there. He's putting out great stuff on YouTube and he's starting to build momentum around that. And for us here at Jungle Brothers, this is something we respect. It's something that we think should happen more within the movement culture. And so I really wanted to sort of quiz him on how he came to being in that position, what gave him the idea to start his podcast, how it actually looks when he's chatting with these people, and then also what his personal journey has been and, and his beliefs around training. So really cool chat. Great to have Faye on in. Hope you enjoy it. Let's go. Yeah, tell me what you do for your your zoom podcast because i've i did a zoom podcast yesterday mm-hmm. with uh with tom emerson ah which is awesome. yeah, yeah which is really cool um but i've i've only just stumbled across the a process that i that i that i like for using zoom in, in an interview yep um what's your setup so my setup is very very simple i just have my laptop and my road is it go um go wireless yeah i can't remember the exact sort of name um i plug that into my laptop and then i have a ruler which i clip (laughs) this this mini microphone and i hold that up um as close as possible to my um to to my face whilst checking the levels basically i'm mindful of the levels and then i i speak into that but with the zoom sort of set up um i just record through zoom and then after that, I take the audio recording that Zoom makes. I think Zoom has some sort of audio filtering or like um, application over it, which does something to the sound as well that I've noticed. So um, then I, after I take that recording, I put it into Audacity, uh, which is... Software uh, of champions. Yeah, free software of, of champions. So very much like the free as well. Yep. And... There I just uh, check and adjust some of the levels. So I look over the whole waveform of the whole file and see if there's any sort of clipping points, that sort of thing. I might reduce those. Otherwise, I just um, do an adjust of levels just to bring all the levels up as well. Um, if the Normally, the audio quality is pretty good. Like I've had some guests on before where I didn't really specify audio quality to them beforehand and then it just like came through really badly and I was... And then I end up trying to edit it through Audacity in some way, trying to remove like background noise or to do some sort of filtering or EQ effect to try and bring up like the vocal range as well, which always ends up me kind of making it worse. (laughs) Polishing a turd. Yeah, I I try and avoid that, but I have had to do that just like maybe twice um, before. Um, Most often now... In my messages beforehand to the guest, I'll just specify going, oh, can you please check um, your audio quality beforehand? Make sure that you're in a 
nice quiet room that it's not having too many audio reflections as well maybe we might test that beforehand i'll say something as well beforehand normally before maybe i was a little bit too nervous to say anything to the guest when i was just happy to get them on and say even if the audio quality wasn't quite good i'd just be like well i've got them for this hour hour and a half i'm just going to keep on rolling and get get what i can but now i'll stop them and be like oh you know, it's a bit echoey. Can you maybe change location for a bit? Or that's not coming through so well. I'll, I'll, I'll be more stern in calling it out because I'm mindful afterwards. There's, if no one can listen to it afterwards, or it's kind of a bit harsh to listen afterwards, then everyone kind of loses out. And people have messaged me before um, on certain podcasts where they they're like, "Oh, I think that person had something really interesting to say," but unfortunately i couldn't i couldn't really stick through with the audio quality this happened on one like one specific one where i knew like it was kind of bad but that's all i had so i was like no i gotta i gotta i gotta better job myself of hosting and um setting up my expectations to them so i'm clear on that end and then if you're doing that then almost like the editing afterwards is, is literally just adjusting the levels putting on like the extra audio clips for the intro outro that sort of thing and then releasing it that's what I do. Do you do, in the situation where you ask someone, oh, hey, the room's a bit echoey or whatever, can you change location? Do you go and edit that stuff out afterwards or do you just keep it all in the episode? No, I edit it out. So normally when we first start, I always make sure to have a little bit of a chat with the guest as well because most of the time, sometimes this guest is like the first time I'm actually speaking to them and having a conversation. So then even if it is someone that I know anyway, I think it's good to to warm up the conversation a little bit, try and connect with that person, how they're feeling on the day as well. Go over sort of what's running through my mind as to what I want to ask about and ask, are there any specific areas that you want to lead the conversation into as well? Then after that go, okay, well, you know, how much time you got as well. I'm always mindful of people's time and then go, oh, do you want to get started, I'll launch into it? What I'm going to do now is I'll give a little bit of a introduction and then we'll start the conversation. And then from there, then be like, all right, let's get started. Then I'll give a little intro uh, where I'm just speaking as well. I always like to lead it off by speaking a little bit as well. I think that makes them a bit more calmer as well, especially if they're a bit newer. Maybe it's their first podcast as well. And then I hand over the mic to them by just, um, yeah, depending. I think you can always tell if someone is comfortable behind the microphone or not. Sometimes you might have to start off with some easier sort of questions that anyone can answer before just like diving into it and then laying laying it into the, the deeper stuff. So I am mindful of how conversation flow and um, making them comfortable beforehand. And then afterwards as well, we'll say a sort of like, podcast and wrap up and then the audio will still be continuing and then we'll talk afterwards about you know how is that for them and you know just thanking them for their time and i edit all that out as well right so the recording will be going through that part but it's like we've, we've wrapped up yeah. you'll chop that off yeah yeah man you must feel it was a harsh start today then given what <laughs> like where, where i'm just like hey man stop talking i'm gonna hit record we'll we'll just have a catch up right now and so, how do you do it? This is like the whole unedited stream. It's just going on. It all goes on. Yeah. Well, I, I've, 
I haven't settled on a like a consistent process that I use, mm-hmm. but yeah, one as I mentioned this morning, one thing that I feel when someone comes like you here today at the gym, when someone comes into the gym, it's you know it's you, you, I mean you've been here a few days now, right? But yeah. but let's say it's like the first time you walk in, you come up to the office. There's some other coaches in here. It's a new space. It's always a you know mm-hmm. generally the guest is going to be a little bit kind of jumpy, perhaps yeah. or a bit nervous. Um, so, but what, what I find is that in that moment, the guests will usually be like, oh, hey, what's going on? Hey, what are we talking about today? And then, and then we'll start having a chat about the episode. Yep. And before you know it, it's like you've been chatting for 15 minutes and you've just exchanged all of this awesome conversation, but it's not on air. Um, so what I've sort of come back around to is let's just hit record straight away. Yep. Like you're going to be nervous either way. Mm-hmm. So let's just hit record and some less nervous than others right um and then capture it all and if for whatever reason it was like shit like you were just dribbling a bunch you know like it was completely <laughs> irrelevant then then you could then i could edit it if yeah. i wanted to and i could be like hey guys welcome to the show today we're chatting with Fayon. you know like um but i actually really just like the i like the conversational thing i want to i want to know about you yep. i want to know about your show i want to know about your training and so I'm like, well, that's the same shit I'm going to ask you when I see you in person. Mm-hmm. So why not just ask you on air? Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, in the past I've done like a, I've done more of a formal sort of, or I'll do some, do some research on Fayon, like what are his kind of, you know, key achievements, like his podcast, The Passive Hang. And I'll be like, hey guys, today, and I'll, and I'll try and do that thing, you know, yep. today. And, and he's the creator of, and I actually found that while I thought that it was, it was a, a respectful thing to do because it is sort of introducing the person with the proper mm-hmm. uh, sort of reverence and it's giving the, the <laughs> you know, that's giving the content. Oh, wow, this person, you know, he's a movement guy. He's got a podcast, you know. Um, but I also found it was just kind of awkward for me mm-hmm. because I don't really talk like that. Yep. Um, so now what I do is, you know, we roll into it the way that we have and then I will record a little intro later that would be like, oh, hey, guys, I'm chatting with Fayon. Uh, you know, you might have seen Fayon, so I'll, I'll do a little intro there. I like that. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've just, I've found that that combination works well for me. Yeah. What I noticed with the Zoom thing is that the, there's always, like say yesterday chatting with Tom, there's always that awkward thing where it's the first time we've ever spoken, look, you know, been face-to-face, albeit through a screen. Undoubtedly, some good shit comes out and then I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to press record now and we'll start the episode. And I find that that's like a disruption to the natural flow that we were in. On Zoom as well, you have that robotic voice that goes, this recording has started now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this meeting is being recorded. Yeah, it's, it's really lame, right? And I, I hate that. So what I, what I said, what I do now, if, I'm, if I remember to, and I told Tom, I said, hey, I'm going to send you the link and it's already going to be recording. So as soon as you jump on, we're in. That's yeah, that's good as well. And it just yeah. means that that we don't we miss that bit. Yep. And you know he had a, he was like, oh, can you hear me? Yep. Am I coming through? Yeah, good. So I chopped that off. Yeah. But pretty much it's like, hey, let's just get into the conversation. Yeah. I, um, like I think if you be upfront with people, then they can respect that as well. So, um, and if you send that communication beforehand, because yeah, I've had it a few times as well where as some guests. Um, might be going oh are we going to be recording as soon as we start i wouldn't mind like a bit of a conversation beforehand as well uh so i think it depends guest to guest as well so just be 
but if you um, let them know what to expect, then they can adapt towards that, and maybe they can make their request as well. So, yeah, things to keep in mind. I like you. You got to think about you know your podcast game. You know what works for you as well. Um, definitely been through like a few phases where like similarly like you like researching like heavily beforehand and being like shit i'm gonna get this guy like i'm gonna read everything about it and sometimes it's tricky as well because sometimes i try and get guests where they don't share so much on their online presence as well or maybe you know it's just like wild movement stuff right um but apart from that they haven't really talked about their own like self-philosophy or story or anything like that but that's why i want to get them on the podcast because i want to find out more about their story behind them apart from this crazy movement flow trick or whatever that they can do and try and share that with the world because i'm interested in their story so i'm sure that more people would be interested as well those ones i kind of find tricky because then you can't really prepare you just got to go oh like i'm just going to see how this conversation goes and hopefully they can communicate well say and that's quite different to someone where if they're sharing a shitload online, you know, like if I was to interview you, I'd have all this material to dig Do I into. share a lot of stuff? Look, you got a podcast. I get, yeah, you know me. <laughs> don't, yeah, that's a great point. So then I could refer to all this stuff that you've already shared as well and that could uh, go off into all these interesting tangents, right? So that can change the flavor a lot. Now, I definitely appreciate it when people share quite a lot online and then maybe you ask them and then it sort of deviates in a different way than you were expecting as well because then you're like, yeah, you know, people were complex beings with a whole wide range of different perspectives as well and sometimes we share and we get known for a certain perspective or view as well and sometimes it is the case like you might just dig into that and then they expand on that view even more heavily and you know they're all about this and they love that but then there's other times where you kind of start off there and then it just branches out into all these different tranches and you're like oh like yeah this is what it's about like some someone who has an appreciation for you know the broad perspective and the complexities of life and there's a lot to talk about and to learn about from um just their them being a human being and you know i really really like that yeah that's that's an interesting point. I've encountered it a couple of times where I've had a guest. I, I think most of the time people surprise you and you're like, oh, cool. Like, wow. You know, like you, you end up getting into parts of the conversation that maybe you hadn't anticipated you would. But I have been surprised a couple of times where I've had a guest and I assumed, oh, this is going to be really awesome because we're going to, you know, talk about this. And I've been quite surprised to realize that you almost you don't hit a dead end but it's like they don't really have anything to offer outside of maybe that one key topic Mm -hmm. and even on that something like you know we we and i want to go into like your podcast and and it's you know it's reasons for existing but um you know we talk training a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and i've been surprised with certain individuals where i'm like this person's like a they're very deep in their training what they're doing is at a high level they're training other people, man, I'm really interested to hear their views on it. And then you get into it and they almost don't offer any views and you're kind of trying to get it. And it's like, they don't really have much to say. Yeah. And you're like, wow, like it's, it's very much the exception, but 
do you ever find that you've have you ever come across that same thing yeah i found sometimes with certain uh, people i think it's yeah it's just challenging to communicate maybe for them um with uh certain training areas or like you kind of want to probe deeper into a certain area because you want to find out about it but then you feel with the answers coming back that you're not going to get that much for whatever reason um so you might push a little bit but then feel and then you kind of have to take another tact or ask about a different sort of area whereas some guests as well as soon as you ask them you know they can just spiel for like 20 minutes from one question and go all in depth and those ones are kind of like the easy ones right because you just sit back and you're just listening the whole time you're not really like saying anything you're like geez what a great interview host I'm being you know you can just like <laughs> well yeah it's uh, look good it's quite different to yeah somewhere especially where you think like oh it might be like a really good question that can open up quite a lot of doors and then maybe it's like a one sentence type answer or they don't have so much to speak about the topic um i think about that sometimes because maybe also with training you know it's very experiential thing as well so maybe people just have a different way where they struggle to or maybe they don't feel comfortable with verbally communicating what they're experiencing um because i'm sure with a lot of your guests as well you know the very good students the very good teachers as well when you see their work it can be very high quality but when it comes to a conversation maybe yeah they struggle to then or they don't feel comfortable with then distilling that into just a brief sort of concept even if you talk about it for 10 minutes sometimes maybe it doesn't feel like you're doing it justice as well and that's true and to a certain point but um uh some people have a way with words as well which makes sense that can communicate and resonate very well with um uh, maybe yeah, a broader segment of the audience because they can communicate in that way and then maybe some other people can just communicate better when they're you're actually on the floor in the in the fighting pit with them and they're showing you and that's the way that they can connect as well so i think it's just yeah the podcast and the format of it probably suits a certain type of person very well and then for the other type of person um they just prefer a different sort of avenue you have a very balanced view on that i think it's yeah it's very it's it's i tend to be a bit harsh where i'm like god's fucking idiot couldn't tell me anything (laughs) but but no I, i you're totally right i mean it's it is an abstract like it's a it's a unique channel of conversation, isn't it? Or communication. Yeah. It's different to being out on the training floor and like, hey, let me show you this technique. Let me share something with you versus you got earphones on, you got a microphone. I'm like, you know, it's one-to-one. Yep. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, one of your episodes that I listened to that I, that I really enjoyed was with uh, Rodrigo mm-hmm. Salalima, who's a friend of mine. And uh, Shout out, Rodrigo. He, yeah, awesome fucking guy. I miss that dude. And uh, he's in Brazil, for those who, who aren't familiar with Rodrigo, and he runs a gym called uh, Practic Movimento, which is a tough one for most uh, English-speaking tongues. The way he says it, by the way, is like completely different as well. Oh, he says Practiki, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, he's – well, that brings me to what I was actually very impressed about from his side was that he did the whole podcast in English. Mm-hmm. And I, we've had I, uh, I picked up a little bit of Portuguese over the years, mostly through the world of jiu-jitsu, 
and I enjoyed speaking with him in Portuguese, what little I had mm-hmm. when we spent time together at the movement camp and stuff. And um, I was aware that, you know, English was his second language and that he's also in Brazil running a business. You know, you look at his Instagram, it's, it's pretty much all in Portuguese. He often yeah. does like a heart, he'll do a translation in his posts and stuff. But I was like, oh, I wonder how this will be because long form conversation, podcast, that's a, that's a different beast, isn't it? Yeah. If you're speaking in a, in a different language. Um, yeah, he was fucking awesome. Yeah. He was like infinitely more engaging than a lot of native speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, yeah, like talk, talk to me about that, like how you perceive that episode and just that communication piece with someone like him. Yeah, I felt that language wasn't a barrier at all, really. Um, beforehand, I think Rodrigo was um, saying like, oh, we English, you know, is, is my second language. You know, let's see how we go here. But as soon as um, I opened up the Zoom and we started talking, I was like, we're not going to have any problem, really. You know, I think his energy shines through, and um, I think he found any difficulty with the words as well, with expressing the concepts that he wanted to express as well. Um, and I think what I got out from that episode, especially, was like I could, I could just see um and hear the way in how he expressed himself there was a great deal of integrity there and that he really cared he really cares about his art his practice but then in sharing that as well and he's invested equal amounts of time and energy into sharing that practice as well as i'm sure like he was talking about it for a while like he did the thing where you know, with Edo, he's like practicing eight, 12 hours a day, that sort of thing, right? But he has recognized that other than being a practitioner, he wants to be a teacher as well. And to be a teacher and to be a sharer, he needs to invest equal amounts of energy, if not even more energy into that at times. And apart from being a teacher, he needs to play also the role of a businessman and a leader within the community. And he's invested time and energy um, an intelligent time and energy as well. He hasn't just been like, you know, I'm working really hard and trying to um, trying to do it just by like working really hard. He's actually taken an intelligent approach, I believe, to leading and building a community. And so I can see like, yeah, he, he sought out help there and tried to find like what might be a process that works for him. So similarly, like for when you move and say into a movement practice right you you might find a teacher and it's your first time where then you're exposed to going like oh like this is intelligent training or like more intelligent or uh, like more thought out to how i was approaching it before and you know you're amazed by it because then you're making all these gains and you know uh, that draws you in deeper and it feels really really good and you're just like shit yeah like you know this is the way or whatever um but then you got to realize like outside of that when you want to share your art as well that the biggest barriers that are going to face to you as well is that like well one you know got to find the people uh that want to be taught as well and that can be hard in itself because you love it other people don't get what the hell you're doing right so there's a element or challenge of communication to start uh, one finding the people reaching out to them resonating with it but the same thing with your practice right there's probably a teacher out there and there's probably an intelligent process out there that you can practice 
to then try and find, okay, how can I find these people? How can I communicate better to these people? After I find these people, then there's the next layer of challenges, like how the hell can I teach them well? How, how can I find out ways to then really nourish them in the way that they want to be nourished after that? On the, the next layer, after you grow, I think, you know, probably after like five, ten people, then you got to start thinking about culture and how people interact with each other and how can you foster a good community where it's not just being like led top down but down up or uh, you're going to have the sideways connection between each other so that you can really flourish. And I think you, you see like what Rodrigo has built and like the community and the institution and like it's just pumping, right? And that just doesn't happen, you know? No. Like... You can see people are there and they really want to be there. And for that to happen... Yeah, disciples. Exactly. It's like it's filtered through where um, to have that, you've got to be um, spending time, energy, systems and cultivating it in so many different ways where it's beyond just like the physical practice, right? There's all these layers of social relationships and environment and things like that which... Um, I guess craft the way of how they're telling the story and how they're making people feel, which then draws people in. That 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 makes it what they've what they've built, right? And that's a huge bit of work, and I'm amazed that he's able to do all that and then still be this amazing practitioner <laughs> as well, right? And learn English and do all this stuff. So and the, yeah, and his passion for uh, like for his, his form of agriculture. Gardening essentially But on a big scale Exactly Like Yeah, yeah that, I took that away Like Man how the fuck Does this guy Squeeze it all in Yeah And When he's talking To me Like cause he We did the podcast I think on his Sunday morning Like 6 or 7am As well And he was up You know He just had heaps of energy He was like All smiles You could see Just like Really awake And I was like this is a guy who knows energy management and that's something that I'm always very, very mindful of as well and I think is like the key to ongoing like success for yourself is just like how you manage your energy and that's what I got out from him because so, if a guy can like wake up and just be buzzed as all hell 7am for on a Sunday morning before he goes out into his forest chopping down trees or whatever and he's doing all this movement practice and running a business, he's got something right. Great observation. Tell me, tell me about your podcast, uh, the Passive Hang. Mm-hmm. Tell me how long it's been around for. Um, I want to know also why you started it. Yeah. So I started it at the start of the um, the p- pandemic. So I think that was like March, March twenty twenty, ish. Yeah, and so you know that time bit of a funny time and stuck at home and I was getting into really deep into all this movement stuff right Uh, but then I had this like opportunity cutaway where like I couldn't connect with anybody as well and I just started connecting with um, people from around with Australia the year before so that was where I first met like Rod Cooper and like John Marsh and um and Vic Corksley and guys like that and so I was really like getting a lot out of going like oh now I'm starting to put uh faces to all these profiles that I'm following and I didn't want like this sense of like I I think sometimes you can cultivate this strange relationship with people that you just like follow and then you don't engage with because you're just 
kind of know their life or maybe like the life that they're kind of sharing but then you don't it's like a one-way conversation where then you're not having any engagement from your side they have no idea who you are and then you know say you ever meet that person it's kind of like it's kind of a bit weird or it's kind of a bit strange right (laughs) we've all had that experience and then I mean during lockdown you couldn't even actually meet anyone because you're stuck inside your home so I was like oh well you know I want to continue a way where I can build relationships with people uh here it was and really it was like at first like just here in Australia that I had the views on I was like oh um like I can just direct message people and do all that sort of thing but um then yeah I was listening to a few podcasts as well I was really getting a lot of this conversational style. I was like, oh, maybe I can have a conversation and, and use this as a um, excuse to connect with people. So with the passive hang, it was really just like, oh, how can I start cultivating more relationships with people in this movement community? Because I'm really interested in this um, movement community and have these conversations and the podcast would be an excuse to have these conversations with these people and maybe we can talk about topics which were running high through my mind such as you know like what are people's definition of movement practice because that never seems to be like strictly defined or answered you know that's one of the tenets of of movement practice but it'd be interesting to hear people's views on that and then maybe some things about training as well because I was getting really like involved with my training and really obsessed as well so initially like a lot of my podcasts were just with people who I already directly knew if you go back to like the first like 10 episodes that sort of things these were all people that I'd already met like face to face that sort of thing and that just gave an excuse for um like a deep conversation about a topic that maybe we'd already shared and then uh, a way to put two hours aside and just just talk about that and I really really enjoyed that then I started noticing going like well maybe I can just like um tap someone on the shoulder like on Instagram send them a direct message and see what they say and just invite a guest that uh, I'd be like oh this would be amazing like I was always wanting to connect with this person you know a good example of that like early on I invited Tom Merrick onto my podcast who's the bodyweight warrior on youtube and he is the person who actually introduced me to ito's work at the very very start because i was um at the time yeah i was looking for like fixes to my like my injuries and stuff so he had some mobility routines that sort of stuff and he credited ito for one of i think one of his shoulder things so then i was like who's this ito guy and then that led me through a whole path but I was very inspired by Tom's work and how he shared. And I was like, oh, it'd be so awesome to connect with Tom. Like, I wonder if he's ever going to, like, read my email or, like, my, my message. And it would be awesome to uh, connect with someone who I've watched heaps of all these videos. Again, it's like that, that one-sided conversation where he has no idea who you are. And then, you know, to my delight, immediately he answered my message about, yeah, well, let's have a chat like love to jump on so then you're like oh now I've met Tom I've had this conversation we talked about training and isn't that awesome and so it just kept on developing on in that way and then yeah it really became a tool for me to one cultivate relationships but then two like try and um bring a sense of like uh I was, had it in my mind like to to try and humanize the community so apart from sharing like or your crazy movements sort of stuff 
try and bring this side of going, oh, everyone's like a human with valuable perspectives and different beliefs and different approaches to training and to life, really. And to show that there's there's a deeper side than just the Instagram post that someone puts out. And I had a sense of that and I was kind of, kind of getting a bit tired of just like the endless scrolling. So I was like, oh, maybe there's a way that I can contribute and share this with um, a wider audience. Something that stands out to me there is when we're, <coughs> when we're kind of new to a world and you could, you could uh, to, to like a mental model might be like a, a white belt in jiu-jitsu or a blue belt you know, you're still, you're still relatively kind of new to this thing and this community. It's really easy at that stage to feel like you are underqualified to talk about it, right? Like, so your standard blue belt, actually no blue belts these days that have YouTube channels about jujitsu, but, but your classic blue belt, white belt, they're like, oh no, like, I'm not, I can't start a podcast on, like, who am I, right? I need to be like a brown belt or a black belt before yep. I can... And something that stands out to me, and I'm not, I'm not calling you a white belt or even a blue belt, but um, you seem, that doesn't seem like just that, that it's a self-limiting belief, right? Mm-hmm. Because, of course, if you've got something to say or something to share that could, whether or not somebody else wants to listen to it or not, you should, right? Like, we, I think we can all agree that's a wonderful thing. And podcasting is an amazing medium for that. But that doesn't seem to have ever been a limiting part of, of your approach there. You, you know, you're like, well, mm. because you said part of it was you're sort of, you know, getting really into this journey yourself. And so you're like, well, I can understand the journey better. And it, so it's almost, it, there's connection, but it's almost like you're kind of learning more as you go, yep. but you've jumped in at this level. I think where a lot of people would feel like, they don't have the right to start a podcast. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't. I've never really thought about it that way. Um, if I can comment on that, maybe it is. Well, my my way of sharing and creating started maybe like a, a few years before that. So I started becoming comfortable with sharing my thoughts and um, opinions as well. So. Throat, the nerves. Yeah, um, so I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, beforehand, I started a blog as well and started sharing my writings, and that really got me over the hump of just like expressing myself and putting my opinion out there. And that was just to an email list of just like friends, really. And I think um, probably the first step is just like putting your opinion out publicly can be confronting just in and of itself. Even if it's just a post, right? You're just like, yeah, who am I to uh, make this statement? Or who am I to even share my story? Or who am I to to do anything, right? And, um, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if you know it, but I worked with John Marsh for a year through... I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, when he called his thing the Access Potential Academy. Oh, yeah. As well. The so, early days of the, the of, of his coaching business. Yeah, of, of now like Creator Club. Yep. And so that really helped me 
as well. John was always a big advocate of sharing your voice and like he was a mentor to me and like really helped encourage me to be true to that as well. But even before John, um, I'd been actually on this big bicycle trip where I was bike, bicycle push bike touring for two years in Japan and China. Wow. And I was sharing that journey online. One, just because I thought it was awesome, but two, like my friends wanted updates. But that already got me in the rhythm of sharing publicly online what I was doing. So maybe that was like a bit of like a practice or testing ground as well. And then the formality of it like started increasing through like one, through the blog at first and then two with the podcast. So by the time I got with the podcast, I was just like, I'm just sharing what I'm doing and the people that I'm interacting with. And um, I think that's awesome. So maybe some other people think it's awesome, but I do recognize like maybe for someone who has never done anything like that, it's probably quite confronting. So um, <coughs> what would I say? I would say like at the start, like when you first started, probably like, not many people are actually going to be like paying attention or listening or like um, tuning in anyway. So you can use your practice then, knowing that like your your risk or your your damage effect is probably pretty pretty low. Um, but uh, you can start off small small as well. Like if you never shared anything before, you can just like put a post up. You can put a story up. It lasts for twenty four hours, and then you know no one sees it as well. Start getting used to that rhythm of just like expressing yourself honestly and then and then putting it out there and then you can just grow from that and, and talking in training terms then it's like progressive overload you can start with a story which is like um you know it can just be a picture and then end up with a whole long form video or conversation and it's just like the steps to get out there you can grow grow like that and that's probably a good way of exposing yourself so but um yeah, uh, I think through that, that just started conditioning me to just be going, oh, okay, like, I don't think there's any harm in just putting out what I'm doing and what I what I think as well. Most of when I was doing that, I was getting good feedback as well. So it created a positive feedback loop cycle, which reinforced my behavior and uh, and reinforced like that I thought that there was value in it as well. But I did recognize as well at the time that, there was no like movement podcasts out there or there was no like podcasts about like these specific people that I wanted to interview. So I was like, I truly believed it was like, Oh, I think people would get value out of hearing their perspective in a long form conversation because there's nothing out there. Um, cause I would really want to listen to that. So I'm sure that other people would want to really listen to that as well. And if I'm not going to do it, someone else is going to do it. So I might as well do it. It's a wonderful perspective. I, 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 I totally agree. I think what I, I've shared with you some of my thoughts, you know, in, in earlier conversations about the movement culture. And I think that the, the movement community is, I mean, it's big, but it's also very small. And I think that there are sort of limiting forces within there and a lot of it comes back to this this idea of like you're a student and you you know you need to be at a level like 
you know, like you're, you, it's, it's almost like you, you don't have the right to talk about it or to teach it until you reach a certain level. It's all completely subjective. None of this is defined. Most of it is in our heads. But I know that I felt limited by that for a long time. Like even just putting stuff out on social media, I was like, I don't deserve to talk about handstands because I can only hold it for 20 seconds, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, which, which, you know, which is just absurd, right? But I'm sure most people listening can kind of resonate with that idea of, you know, you, you put these sort of these limits on yourself. Um, but what I, what I see that's sort of happened in the movement realm, I mean, this is in part evident, uh, you know, why, like say, there's not a lot of movement workshops. There's not a lot of events around the community. You're here, you're headed down to Ghetto Movement. Uh, ghetto Movement's one of the few places on the East Coast here that's doing regular stuff, right? They're doing gains in the ghetto this way. Yep. They're bringing people together. They're getting great, like fucking awesome. You know, our gym, we, we host workshops every now and again. We used to host a lot more. Um, one of the only places in town where you can, you know, access this kind of stuff. But there's people out there doing it. So what it leads me to think is that the culture on a whole is somewhat limited People are like, no, I don't deserve to do that yet. I, I don't, I can't run workshops. I can't host an event. Um, whereas you go to, you know, you go to a, a different, I don't know, you go to powerlifting or you go to that kind of world mm-hmm. and there's shitloads of things going on because, you know, everyone, like a whole bunch of people have got something to share. Yep. And I would argue there's probably less judgment because it's maybe just been around a bit longer and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I find that very interesting just considering that and what you do because it's it's a form of like it's entrepreneurialism mm. you know and it's and it's and it's all and it's all from an honest place of like well I want to share something people should be sharing stuff I got a story to tell I want to talk with interesting people people want to listen to it they're telling me they're enjoying it yep. like yeah I find that I find that really I think that's really cool and I think that I mentioned this to you you know previously that um I'm sure that there's a lot of people that look at what you do and think, oh, I'd love to do something like that, you know, but I'm not qualified. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe these are some of the similar conversations you had with John Marsh early on <laughs> where he's like, dude, Definitely. that's retarded. Do yep. it, you know. Yeah, I think um, John Marsh definitely very much helped. So, you know, one avenue for people who have that thought in their head who want to do that, get in touch with him in his creator club because, you know, that really helped me through my whole um, journey. But otherwise, like, yeah, I guess there's, people always say, you know, there's always the element of imposter syndrome, that sort of thing. And and it is true as well. But I think you can get over that just through repeated exposure of finding a way to how to express yourself openly and, and honestly as um, in, in, di- in different ways. Like, as I, as I mentioned, like in the inter- internet these days, there's so many ways where you can put stuff out there and just like put yourself... Um, in front of a platform and it's kind of funny because on the internet as well it can be very anonymous so maybe that uncertainty can create the feeling that there's a larger audience than what you actually think that are like going through your stuff or thinking about you because they're not actually in front of you as people giving you that feedback you know your only sort of feedback is like a heart button or the amount of page views you got or the amount of views on your video and that can be weird because as humans 
we're normally conversing with someone looking into their eyes and you're getting that feedback straight away, right? And sometimes, and it's so funny, right? Like some of my YouTube videos, that sort of thing, you get like thousands of views, that sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, that seems really small, you know? But then you're like, dude, it was like a thousand people. When are you ever going to teach like, <laughs> like a class where there's like a thousand people like that doesn't happen like that's actually really cool that even it got up to a thousand like how amazing is that in terms of like feeling like an imposter and that you're not ready to share things I think yeah you just um you can always like share things just be truthful for where you're coming out from it and who you're trying to help as well so like I'm not trying to help super high level like movement athletes who probably don't need my help anyway like I'm just trying to be a guide into what might have helped like the previous me like a week ago or a year ago that's who I'm trying to help so with that I do believe like I have some value there and it actually use it in two parts with like some of my sharing some of it is actually like was was for me to then um cement my learning process because i'm very aware like for for me for for the learning process i think like uh the way that you can learn is vastly accelerated once you play a teacher role like i don't know if you've ever noticed but when you're learning something you take on first like the role of a student and you're absorbing in all this information and you got to find you know the best way to absorb that information in but then it's not until you actually distill it, digest it, and then you can actually repeat it back to, and it can be yourself, you can be teaching yourself, that then you're like, oh, there's a deeper level of knowledge now that is starting to um, mature. And so some of these videos are kind of just like review videos for myself. Maybe I've learned like the hole, and I'm like, ah, oh, if I was to teach the hole, how would I think about it? And through that process of breaking it down and then trying to think about how to teach it, now I have a deeper understanding of the hole. So it's, there's there's that portion of it where it's actually like I think resharing things can vastly improve and accelerate your understanding of the practice because then you become the the teacher, so to speak, and that gives you a different perspective versus just being being the student and experiencing it. Um, then there's the part where yeah you don't have to present yourself as like the mastermind master who knows all the answers as well and just be like and i hope i come across with this with um uh i think uh, yeah in my videos especially hopefully that is just like yeah i'm just a, a guy trying to figure things out and i'm trying to share in my own way as well and and my journey and these are some of the things that helped me maybe they might help you as well if you find them of interest um it's not the like the three principles of movement that make or break it yeah i'm not not really trying to trying to do that and again like i was really inspired by how tom merrick shares like he always shared from the very start as well and is always very upfront that it's just about his like transformational journey and what's helped for him maybe now he's adopting more of a teacher hat because he's been doing it for so long He's got a. I haven't seen his stuff. I know the name. It's a huge YouTube channel. Yeah, it's like it's called the Bodyweight Warrior. He's got right. probably a million subscribers okay. now. That sort of thing. Yeah, YouTube and royalty. 
<laughs> that, that's us in well they're there years, too right? yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely <laughs> that monetization but um yeah uh, I drew a lot of how he approached himself on camera and you could see how he came, came across he was just like where he films it is just like a dude in his backyard just sharing what he's doing you know like so that's what I'm I'm doing as well like just out in the park and just like this is what I'm doing maybe it helps you and I think people resonate with that because with um I think what people are normally looking out there and um inspired by as well it's from different caricatures as well like sometimes like the the wise teacher helps them the most right but the wise teacher role has some advantages and some disadvantages as well uh they can the way that they present themselves can only sometimes resonate with a certain group of people or or yourself when you're in a certain energy state when you're certain um you know it's kind of like signing up to the Edo online coaching or whatever right like sometimes that doesn't always appeal to you right because there's a certain ask there's a certain commitment which is fine because that he's very clear on who he's trying to serve and sometimes you don't fit that mold but that doesn't mean like because of that like that's the only way that you can only learn movement you know maybe you can come down to the jungle brothers and you know see your smiling face joey and then you're like oh this is great you know like i can learn it in in a different way and that plays a different sort of role maybe like you need to set aside that role of the teacher altogether and actually you need to just need to find a peer and your peer is just sharing actually learning the movement with you and that's the best way at the time at the moment or there's a guy who's just like learn it the week before and then that seems more approachable to you less intimidating versus like you know there's everyone wants to meet like the guy who's been doing like 50 years and really well known in the community yeah that that's awesome as well but um maybe sometimes yeah you it's just not going to click with you as much because i think yeah the further people get into their practice as well sometimes the further that they are separated from the people who are starting out the most and so it's always the challenge of how do you bridge that communication gap and um for that learner uh, and you probably witness this when you're in like group classes as well sometimes they learn best directly like from the teacher sometimes best when they're paired up um it can happen in all these different facets and i think we need to celebrate that fact and if you're feeling like the imposter syndrome that's the fact that you can remind yourself of as well and when you're out there sharing you can present yourself as like the peer or the guide and not necessarily as the teacher all the time and maybe that can help with um overcoming that that's a cool segue into your training journey i'd like to know like where did it all start for you i know you're a, you practice capoeira at the moment yep how long has that been going on for so I've been practicing with uh, my school for a year and a half, so still pretty recent, yeah. Awesome. And where did it, like going back to the start, where did this whole thing begin for you? Yeah, um, well, like with what you can more, sort of like the a more like movement inspired perspective, probably from about five years ago, I've been physical training since I've been quite young. I grew up as a, um, a 
doing competitive swimming. I was very deep in like swimming. Is that where the shoulder girth comes from? Or the bone density over the years. Right. you got a thick upper body. I, I, that struck me. I was like, wow, that guy really wears that jacket well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, is, that, is that a, um, I mean, you know, I'm guessing swimming didn't change your bone structure, but. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. So the greatest swimmers that I've known have wide shoulders. <laughs> I was swimming since like three months old. My mom put me in a pool. Holy shit. And cool. then I was competing up until about like 15 or 16 um, and during that time, yeah, it was very much like absorbed into that that world. Um, and then I took like a break for about like a couple of years from any type of physical training because I had to study for my you know year twelve, year eleven, and twelve studies, and I was all about that. And then at uni, rediscovered the gym with a friend and really got into like just lifting heavy. Like, I was like, this is cool. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so just trying to find ways of just, like, maxing out a deadlift in a squad. And um, at the time, I think there was, like, a lot more focus on the bodybuilding sort of stuff. And I was very much interested in all the barbell lifting stuff at the time that didn't actually seem to be as popular, whereas, you know, now it's, like, completely different as well. I also remember when I found, like, the old CrossFit blogs do you ever remember that when they the journal used to, yeah the journal and they just the post like the, the the wads there and i was like oh this is cool and i tried a few of those um i got into olympic weightlifting for a bit because there was an old guy at the gym who was doing it and i was like that looks awesome and then i befriended him and he started like just teaching me his way of doing the um the clean and jerk and, and the snatch um so that was really nice um and then i like um because of that, that that period, I kind of like blew out a bit with with the weight because I was like smaller, like under seventy kilos beforehand. Then suddenly put on like ten kilos, and I thought I was like big and strong. And then I joined like the field hockey team, and I started running around. And I was like, I can't move anymore. Like my legs they're strong, <laughs> but like they're big bricks. Um, so that started redefining me. Where I was like, oh, like I've been reading on the internet all the time that they're saying that if you squat, deadlift, row, and bench you'll be set for life. Like you just need to lift heavy and then you can like do anything. You'll be set for this world. And I'm like, dude, I can't even like bend over trying to like dribble this ball for more than 15 seconds without like my back dying, my legs burning, everything. I was just like, something's, I'm being lied to here, I think. So then I started getting some more cross training where like I um, implemented more like running and athletic stuff with, um, Oh, with the lifting but then not having any sort of like intelligent process so just like dumping more load onto my body basically so sometimes I would like do a heavy squat session then go straight to like two hours running on the pitch like on the hockey pitch <laughs> and then be complaining after going like my legs are never recovering I'm like game day and I just feel like dead because <laughs> I had no concept of how to recover I never looked that up then that shit's boring when you're in your 20s yeah ex- exactly you know? were you in your 20s at this stage or teenager i was yeah in my early 20s okay. at that at that age so i was just like yeah just just do more just do more just do more no pain no gain and then 
I had a few like uh, injuries through like a skiing accident and working at a warehouse as well and I never really like properly rehabbed that so then like that presented itself in a few issues where like my I was like getting a lot of like neck tension and right scap was like playing up and then my um, foot and like down my left leg as well had like some sort of issues and I just got to the point where I was just like I'm like 25, 26 and like this sucks like physically I look fit and I am lifting like heavy as well and people would think that I fit but I feel like shit like what, what's happening here like I'm I'm like getting scared of lifting too heavy because I think my neck will go or and then you know it'll be two weeks with like this um this radiating pain down my neck that sort of stuff so then I was like oh like what's going on here like maybe I need to actually change my my training like it finally occurred to me that maybe i needed to like change the way of how i i trained and so i started like looking around by the best method known to a 26 year old which is like going onto youtube and (laughs) searching how to how to fix things and that's where i started finding about like i think at the time like mobility and all that was starting to become popular and i found like Tom, Tom Merrick and then yeah like found the old Edo blog and you know once you see the old Edo blog it's just like like who the hell is this guy like what's this guy all about this is amazing like I want to move like this guy but at the time he was posting interesting things like the squat routine like the shoulder stabilization stuff and I was like oh let me try that all this kind of foundational stuff is there isn't yeah. it yeah and I'd never like thought about doing stuff like that like even just like sitting in the resting squad and then just exploring around that like saying the squat routine i always thought about like i gotta put like 150 kilos on my back and, and squat squat it out so i'm doing this stuff and then i'm like this actually just genuinely feels good so maybe there's something there and you're playing around with like a band shoulder thing and it's just light but it's just pumping blood through and you're like oh my shoulder's like feeling better and that's where just experientially it started clicking with my body where i was just like I think I think this is like the way and there's something about not being stuck within these like main um pop main popular ideas of like there's like best lifts or like best things where you really have to push yourself hard and lift as much as possible and just grind yourself to the to the ground maybe there's like this softer side as well and there's this more explorative side and so that's when maybe there was this um switch towards this like broader perspective and broader perspective out of just thinking it more traditional fitness whereas like i go to the gym i pound hard and then afterwards then do nothing steak because that's that's what that's what i do let's literally just be like yeah super hard session the rest of the day just like not really thinking about it to then going oh okay like wherever i am maybe i can move my spine maybe i can just like squat down and maybe i can do things throughout the day which are lighter as well and they're actually making me feel feel better the more i do them and i don't just have to do like a hard session i can do all these more broader things kind of like weird looking things as well and that can nourish my body in a different way and that's yeah that's when it started clicking for me i was like i think there's something there who are other people like involved with this who might I be able to learn from as well but at the time like I was just preparing to go on that two-year bicycle trip to China and Japan so like I was kind of like preparing for this trip by doing all this like mobility stuff and like um, feeling really good and trying to get deep into it but then um, 
not really having the resources to then invest in like an online coach or anything or even then like the concept of online coach was like a bit foreign as well so I wasn't really like thinking about that but I was interested in finding out more but I was like in the countryside in China right and then no one was around me so I'm just like trying to learn off the internet what um what I can do and I was just like exploring just uh on the side of the roads whatever I what I could which served as good breaks because I was cramped up on my bicycle seat for many hours at a time then as I was doing you know I'd be stretching out the body just limbering the body in all these like lighter forms of movement that I was um finding and yeah I think that's where it sort of developed and I started getting more um interested into it and like my prism of the world was just like what I was viewing on the Instagram and YouTube because I was just in the countryside in the middle of rural China and that was my only outlet right so that also developed more of the motivation to connect with people personally afterwards because I was like I was consuming so much and that, uh just um at very arm's length because that was the only avenue I had and then one of my motivations for when I came was coming back was like oh maybe I can actually like find a teacher and connect with some people in person and so that's what led me to like one you know meeting John Marsh and then also like my um, first like maybe proper movement teacher who was um Tijavra who's from from Perth who's um down in Melbourne at the moment Tijavra yeah um so he used to be part of like the Aspen coaching oh, yeah. team like many years ago uh, yep. before he moved over to Melbourne and um, yeah I learned from him for a c- couple of years and and that's where yeah under his guidance I was like oh shit like this is this is really a thing this is cool yeah this uh like what I'm learning it, it is really resonating with me and I, I I do think like there's something here wow Take me to where you're at now because I, I, you know, there's the podcast, there's the YouTube and you do some online coaching as well. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me how your, your experience with all of that, lifting weights, heavy stuff, you know, like kind of classic sort of young dude type approach to, yep. to getting strong and whatnot. How does that all play into your perspective now? Yeah, it's... All fed into, I think, make my perspective all the much richer, you know. Um, so with, um, I still lift weights and do a lot of the stuff that I was doing before, but maybe just like not in the same volume as I was doing before or approaching it in a different way with a different sense of technicality or um, or a pursuit of trying to understand it in a different way. In terms of, I think there was a bit of a transformation with me where I started sharing stuff as well, like and adopting more of a guide or a, a teacher hat as well. That started developing within me maybe just like three or four years ago where I could see like the obvious benefits to what I was experiencing. And so I think there's always a natural inclination to help the people around you right and so something that is bringing you so much joy and so much benefit physically and emotionally spiritually all that sort of stuff you're kind of like oh wouldn't this be great to share how would i share you know normally then you start playing like this this teacher role and so that's where i started to develop um earlier on i used to run a few classes as well just sharing it with my immediate friendship group as well and i could see like the joy that was bringing it um to to them as well because they'd never seen like 
some of this stuff. I used to call it like PE for adults because I used to show like a lot of like the partner improvisation drills, that sort of task-based um, stuff because uh, I thought that was really interesting and I could see like no one had ever really uh, done that before in my friendship group. So then from there I started developing a motivation to go, oh, maybe like it w- would be cool to guide people more um, like individually and expand that sort of offering and yeah through the podcast and the videos then naturally like people started getting interest in it they started asking me messaging me as well so what did I do like um I I have been coaching people like one-on-one like personally as well and so developing my teaching through through that and then through the online like initially started just with like offering like these follow along classes um which i thought would be like cool snippets it was like deep in the middle of lockdown that i was like oh maybe if people just have a space at home 30 45 minutes they just download this follow along and then they can just just do that and would that wouldn't that be cool because i couldn't really find any like i think yoga does this really well where you have like these follow along formats and um i think it suits yoga really well because you just need need the mat but for movement like nothing out there well i mean in general there was like nothing out there anyway so (laughs) then i was like oh how how do i make this like really approachable for people who might be starting out and they don't need any equipment and it's just going to be like um for people who can just like squat down on the ground that's all they need and then can just get them moving in more interesting ways and that's what that that was catered for for the for the follow-alongs and so that grew and then from there i was like oh maybe like there's this like online coaching thing because everyone who i'm interviewing is like talking about this online coaching thing but at the time it made sense as well because like still couldn't meet anybody like um actually from my one-on-ones that i was seeing personally during that time i had to develop a, a form of online coaching as well because like i couldn't go travel outside of my five kilometer radius so it became like a, as a function of necessity but then i started seeing it as like a form of oh, like there is a way to then connect to people that maybe i couldn't connect with personally and and offer some help and some guidance as well so then yeah became interested in that format um and then after i finished up with Tujava, i started training with thomas emerson who, yeah yeah awesome. podcast and i'm still training with him as well and i saw how he has structured his online coaching program very, very well. It's very organized, like the amount of depth and um, uh, the, the way it's just structured is done very well. So I got inspired from that and I was like, oh, maybe I can do something similar as well. So that's how that sort of like all kind of organically grown and I'm turning yeah, a bit more focused towards that. I do have like, yeah, a, a lot of ideas to like grow that space, but also grow different forms of how people can access maybe some of like what i would love to share whether that's more like follow-along classes or like a course type format as well um those are all ideas that i've played around with and you know sketched things out how that would look as well just thinking about like okay once again if it was me one two years ago three years ago what would have really helped me basically and using that as a guide What's your, sort of philosophically, what's your approach? Um, and I, I guess to give a bit of background to that question, 
the the classic movement thing is this is the process I was taught and I'm going to teach you the same process. And, you know, I think we touched on like the six, seven, eight hours of training a day is kind of characteristic of a lot of what's been popularized in the movement realm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard training. It's lots of time every year. It's not, not necessarily six hours for everyone. But, but when you're talking to people who are kind of really – who are, who are really in the movement piece that's kind of the expectation yep. is that it's really the main focus of your life something that i see a lot with it and you know having a gym that teaches some movement it's important like well it's a natural place you get to where you're like six seven hours of training a day most people come to the gym three times a week they got about an hour yeah you're like fuck this doesn't line up yep so so you have to find a way to like read it in to what you know to in, in a way that is accessible for people how do you like where do you sit with that because you know and, and so further piece the online coaching is often considered to be uh, traditionally mm-hmm. as the hardcore choice it's like hey when you really get into this thing you, you become an online student yep what's your approach there yeah it's a good realization so i might have to correct myself when i say like what would have helped me one, two, three years ago because um, when I was at that place, I was also ready, willing and able to invest like at least a couple hours, if not three hours like per day to training. And um, the people that I am hoping to serve is maybe, well, they, they most definitely don't have that time. Maybe it's just like one hour per day. Um, so... Yeah, I am mindful of that fact. And so what I can share and how I do share may be a bit different. I borrow a lot from how I've learned and the process I've learned, most definitely. You know, that's like where just naturally you can speak with the most amount of depth. But I do like to tweak and modify the process as well so that it is individual to what I'm seeing from the individual as well. And they don't want to learn exactly what I learned as well. Their body is a bit different as well. Their ability is a little bit, oh, like very different from person to person as well. So I, I play all that to go, okay, like balancing on what they actually want to achieve as well. Like how can I make it most relevant for them? Now that maybe they don't need to learn this step or this movement or this whatever that I'm doing because it's not as relevant for them and maybe they're not interested in, in that as well. Like how can I um, how can I make my teaching and what my, I'm guiding them like most beneficial for them and their goals basically and within a realistic time frame of what they have to consistently put into their practice week to week. I think that's what we always have to be mindful of as well is that like no matter what you share as well it doesn't really mean shit if someone's not going to be able to practice that week in week out you know like what we do as practitioners it's because like we do it all the time right uh and for someone who where it's not really going to work because maybe they need a specific type of equipment or um sometimes people just purely don't like something like and you got to respect that as well maybe there's a different way of doing it so you don't have to like force and be like yeah you really got to do that so yeah sometimes you need to do a little 
push as well, but you need to work within those confines and those constraints and um, notice that uh, from that, maybe you realize something as well. Maybe you realize there's a different way of doing things uh, because there, there always is, you know, it's like how many ways you can learn the handstand. That's why there's like so many different teachers, courses, all that sort of stuff, because there's so many different ways. And for me, just to limit that in the exact process of how I learn, it's not going to work for everyone, you know? And for some people, maybe it's just like they just got to spend whatever time on their hands every single day and that's the one that's going to click. For other people, maybe it's like a larger session once every three or four days or or, or whatever. And, um, yeah, I think it's about trying to navigate that space and finding out um, uh, what, what then um, works for the person who you are trying to help. Remembering that, yeah, you're actually really trying to help them and yeah, maybe not, not yourself by validating the process that you worked through by replicating that exactly with somebody else. Great response. It would be, um, it would be rude of us not to mention a student that we have in common, Raylene. Mm-hmm. Ray Ray. Shout Don't out. know if, you, if you've adopted the, the name Ray Ray for her yet. Not yet start (laughs) but you know she's a great example she'll be listening to this so yeah of course big shout out um but she 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 practices jujitsu she can she trains with me a couple times a week that's the bulletproof for bjj stuff that's like hey this is to you know to perform better on the mats but then she also does movement stuff with you and i think that that's that's like that's really cool because she's like even doing bulletproof stuff is not the norm like to do strength conditioning for jiu-jitsu is not the norm in the world of jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. so it's just like kind of three different slices of movement practice you could say there and i think that the way that you're describing it and from what i the way i can see that you're kind of putting it out there for people is that it, it you can you can access it to that degree but hey i got one session a week or i got a few little sessions i can do what can what can you help me explore with that versus that more traditional approach which is like you dedicate your life to this and this alone. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not movement. Yeah, I've definitely adapted to like people who I've taught before where it can be something as simple as like a 10 or 15-minute daily routine that I've constructed where after I've done like a session with them uh, or, yeah, and these are mostly like people that I see like face-to-face, it's like, oh, let's just like see if you can work on that and just find a segment of your day and most preferably I normally say like in your morning so it can be like a, a more habitual practice um, so that you can just get into this habit of developing like a, a, a new habit, a new practice, a new, a new mindset as well and it's not going to work if I'm suddenly like look you've got to do like an hour every day because they're just like what the hell, man? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, yeah, it's not, it's not going to happen, you know. And you're going, I'm going to be disappointed. They're going to be feeling just bad because they didn't live up to those expectations. And it's just like it's com- just completely unfair, you know. But that's also like very different to what their goals want to be as well. They just want to like feel a little bit better in their bodies, move a little bit better. That, that that's it. So it's like, all right, well, you know, maybe like something like that, just done every day, like can be fine or. Maybe it's like something small as that, like once every second day, you know, and that's contextual to like to to to, to that person. Other people, it's like 
yeah, you can do a longer session and maybe it's like an hour, an hour and a half um, every day. Um, like for who I'm trying to reach, those are the time limits and the constraints that they have within their life. And um, I think you don't have to say that like, oh, you have to do X amount of work unless like your goal is like you want um, some sort of certain specific skill and you want it really quickly, right? Then I'm going to be frank with you and be like, look, like, you've got to make time for this. You want that? You've got to put in the work. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not getting around that. But if <coughs> if their goals are more, like, general and just, like, to try and start moving to a place where they appreciate movement in their life and to move and to feel better, then, you know, th- that can be on the spectrum of, like, a lot of practice to just, like, very small amounts of practice throughout the day. And that's what I'm trying to share, just, like, tools that have benefited me um, to help improve their lives. And if that's their goal, then I'll make it work for their life. Fayon, I love it, man. I appreciate you coming on the show today, making the time. Appreciate it, Joey. Yeah, it's good to have you connect with the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that, you know, you're in Melbourne, right? Yep. yep. Which I, I don't know if we mentioned that. But, yeah, obviously, anytime you're in Sydney, great to have you come through. Uh, I appreciate the chat. I, I like what you're doing. I think there's cool stuff there, and I'm, I'm excited to see – whatever the podcast continue and the, the mm-hmm. coaching business and the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give some like, give some links and plugs? Where can people find your stuff and connect with what you're doing? Yeah, sure. Um, so you guys can find me on the passive hang.com. I've got the, the website. If you search the passive hang on YouTube as well, there's the, um, the YouTube channel. If you've uh, Instagram, it's just at Fayon P that's at P H A O N P. And you can just, Send me a direct message there. Happy to connect. Um, And I want to say as well, Joey, thank you for opening up this beautiful space for me for these past couple of days. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, And meeting you guys and the coaches. It's a wonderful community that you guys have cultivated. I bring... Every time I come to these sort of spaces, I get very much inspired just by the energy that's uh, created here you know, walking in that first day and you got all the coaches here and everyone's just hanging out as well. I don't think that's usual. And so I want to shout out you to for what you guys have created here. And um, yeah, thanks once again for having me. It's an honor. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that. Please go and check out Found stuff. You got the links there. I'm, they're in the show notes as well. Uh, but check out his YouTube, jump on his show, listen, check out his podcast. It's, it's, it's some great conversations there. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Helps to just keep the whole thing going, helps to support the show and also get the good word out there. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you and goodbye.